As a congregation, we've been looking at the book of Colossians. And remember, this was, this was all about the supremacy of Christ. That Jesus is all we need. The supremacy of Jesus Christ. And isn't that a time which has really not changed over the ages when there were false teachers and false teachings which were confusing the Christians, these new Christians in the church in Colossae. They weren't saying that, that Jesus wasn't real and that they shouldn't believe in Jesus, but they were trying to add other things to Christianity that were not supposed to be there. Remember that little equation, Jesus plus nothing equals what? Everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The supremacy of Jesus Christ. We've been in chapter 2, and I'm going to share with you this morning uh, two verses from chapter 2, which, which a number of scholars believe are the key verses in this epistle. Like, if you want to try to summarize what the, these four chapters of Colossians are about, a lot of them would turn to these two verses. So listen carefully as I read them. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, having talked about the supremacy of Christ and Jesus is all we need, Paul writes, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. These words from, Second, uh, from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I want you to think for a moment. A number of you here, a good number of you here this morning are Christians. And I want you to think about the time, well, that you can say you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some of us need to go a long, a long ways back. Others, not so far away. Can you recall the time that you can say, this is the day or the time that I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Now, those two together are important. I've met a number of people who understand and understood that it was necessary to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Right? Are you sorry for your sins? Jesus died on the cross. You are forgiven. He's your Savior. And people will say, Jesus is my Savior. Sometimes we don't always do the best justice in the other part of that equation, that Jesus is not only your Savior, but he's your Lord. Uh, accepting Jesus as your Savior is important, very important, one thing. But equally important is to recognize, as, as Paul is doing as he's writing to these Christians, that Jesus as well as your Lord. We're talking here about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The Lordship of Jesus Christ, some may define in today's terms to be when Jesus became your CEO, right, your chief executive officer. When Jesus became the boss in your life. When Jesus became the master in your life. When you as a, a Christian were drawn to him and received him as Savior and Lord, you turned your life over to him. And you, as we often sing here, you surrendered all to his lordship. Not just lord of yourself, lord of your single life, lord of your marriage, lord over your family if you have one. And one thing that is often difficult for some people is he's lord of your finances as well. And the list goes on. Jesus becomes lord of every single part or aspect of your life. And that was Paul is talking about here as he's addressing his Christians in Colossae. And I just want you to think for a moment 
before we move on to these, what that life looks like. And to ask yourself, is there a part of your life still today? Because all of us struggle with this. In fact, what part of your life today do you still have a difficult time surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Because I find it's often different with any number of us. What do you struggle with most to say, here's, here's my life, Lord, here's all the aspects of my life, but I've kind of kept this one because I kind of want to be Lord over that area of my life. When you receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, you're going back to Jesus and saying, you have complete control over every aspect of my life. You are the CEO of every aspect of my life. And it's difficult at times to surrender, but you got to keep, that's why you have to keep surrendering daily, Right? Surrendering to the Lordship of, of Jesus Christ is a one-time surrender, but then there's a daily surrender as well. In Colossians 2, verse 6, Paul begins to go on and, and, and talks about uh, what it means to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. He says, listen, for those of us who have received Jesus Christ as Lord to the church, Christians in Colossae, to people like you and me, he says, listen, I'm going to give you one kind of mandate, one kind of command, and we're going to talk about that this morning. If Jesus Christ you received as Lord, then you need to continue to live your lives in him. I think this, the way he says that is very important because for most of us, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord, you go through this period of excitement and, and, and passion and energy, and you're really excited about your Christian walk with Jesus. We see that happen here all the time with people who've received Jesus Christ. And they sometimes might kind of wonder, like, well, where's, where's your passion? What happened to your excitement? Remember the first time you received Christ, how excited you were about it. Paul says, listen, that's important, and great that you have that excitement. But he says, that shouldn't stop. You need to continue to live your life in him. And what does that life look like? Paul just so nicely frames this, really, in four areas of our life. He's going he's to give us four visible signs this morning and just kind of do a checklist on your own life as we go through these would you he's going to give us four visible signs that shows for those of us who receive Jesus Christ as Lord that we still have accepted him as Lord and it's making a difference in our lives so four visible signs that show we're living a life in Christ first of all this matter of being rooted in Christ. The first visible sign that Paul talks about in living a life in Christ is that you are rooted in him. A number of us have gardens. We used to have vegetable gardens, but maybe it's our soil. The busters can't quite figure out why the tomatoes and the cucumbers and the melons just don't happen by our house. I think it's the soil. Maybe it's us, but we won't admit it. So we have flower gardens, okay? And every once in a while, as with most, most gardens, you know, they're always perfect, aren't they? No weeds. You just never have to deal with weeds. So of course we have to deal with weeds. So I'll go outside on a typical Saturday morning uh, as I'm watering this and that, and there's a weed here, a weed there, a weed here, and a weed there. <clears throat> and I'll start going along, and you know how it goes. Oh, man, this is great. And then you get this one. You're, you're like, right? You're like this, and... Even the one-hander isn't doing it. You get both hands on it. You're going like this. And then you get down to your knees and you're going like this. And you get every bit of energy and blood's coming out. Or, or don't, don't you weeds like that at your house? Yeah. Why is it so difficult to pull that weed? Because it's deeply rooted, you see. Some weeds aren't. 
You can almost just say, get out, weed, and it'll jump out. But there are some weeds that eventually have to go and get the shovel. I just sometimes go like, down like this with some of these weeds. And I just wondered, how could they possibly be so deep? But they're stubborn in a good way because they're deeply rooted. Paul says in verse 7, listen, you are rooted in Christ. You are deeply rooted in Christ. Now, we got to understand this a little bit because I think some of us get this, this part wrong. Being deeply rooted in Christ isn't something that you try to attain. Now, listen very carefully. This isn't the past tense, the aorist tense in Greek. When we talk about being deeply rooted in Christ, it is something that Christ, God gives us when we receive him as Lord. It's a gift that he gives you are deeply rooted in Christ when you receive him as Lord because that's what his work was done on the cross. You become deeply rooted and stable in him. And those roots are already deep. You don't have to work hard to deepen those roots. It has nothing to do with you and how you live. God says, here's, you receive Jesus as Lord because of what he did on the cross. I give you these deep roots in Christ because we need them. Understand that you can't attain them. Don't ask God for them. You receive them. You can ask God for them, but you receive them when you receive them as Lord. Understand that. Going to more Bible studies, spending more time in prayer does not deepen these roots in any way because this is all about Christ and on Christ of what he's given us. I think that's an important distinction to understand as we talk about this. You see, some roots aren't very deep. I think if I showed you this pic before uh, when I had this storm at my house in Hudsonville. And I was, we were camping in Grand Haven at the time, and someone called me and said, you better come and check this tree at your house. And this was just a matter of these, we have, again, it was the ground issue. I was told in this area, there, it's difficult ground, so the roots didn't go down deeply, they went out this way. And you get a hard enough windstorm, the roots were not stable enough to hold this tree in place. And thankfully, as you can see, it just, just missed my home, my house. These roots weren't very deep, and we praise God when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Guess what you get with that package? Deep roots. What happened to this tree, because it wasn't deeply rooted, it's not what happens to us when we are tempted or tried. Even with our faith, as we're talking about, as Paul talks about false teachers and, 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 false, and false teachings, he says, listen, when you receive Jesus as Lord, I'm giving you deep roots right from the start. You don't need anyone else to become your root or be your root. I'm giving you Christ to be your root. And when Christ is your Lord and he gives you these deep roots, you can find security and stability in him for your life. No matter what you face, and we face plenty of things, you always have, we, we sing that already? On Christ the solid rock, around, on Christ the solid rock I stand. You can do that because the roots that he's given us. And we praise God that, that one thing that we see in our life, if you are living a life in Christ, is that he has these deep roots that he's given you, and you've received them, and you're living in them. A second visible sign that we find in this passage that we're living a life in Christ is that we are being built up in Christ. Now we come more to the present. Okay? This, the first was a past event that happened. This now becomes more of a present activity. Being built up in Christ. Most of us have kind of watched slowly. Has it been almost two years already? This um, uh, new truck stop on, on 65 going up. 
Right, which like, I think I was promised, I thought I read, was it was a year and a half ago, oh, we're going to have a restaurant there. I'm thinking, oh, wonderful, wonderful, more places to eat. I don't see any other buildings going up, although something's happening again now. But we watched this building being built. And just kind of, it seems like slowly, I don't, I don't get it, but it's just going. And the outside looks kind of pretty much done, but they're still building stuff on the inside, right? Now there's, instead of the two or three trucks, now there's like about 10 or 15 or 20 there. And I, really, I do believe that someday it's going to be completed, right? But this is in the process of being built up. Uh, and it takes time until it's completed. And that day, it will come. Now, when I read this passage and I read about being built up in Christ, I think about our lives as something like this, that we are under construction. <clears throat> you as a Christian, when you receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, you immediately begin, are in this process of being built up and built in to Christ. This is called, uh, theologically, progressive sanctification. There's a process of being made holy that God is working on you and God is working on me. In fact, it's, it's very fair to say to someone, whether it's a spouse or a friend, somebody that you work, work with, somebody here at church, when, when they're recognizing things in you that they don't necessarily like because they're not necessarily holy on that particular day, your best response is outside of, which you need to say, I'm sorry, but you say, you know what? God isn't finished with me yet. Right? God isn't finished with me yet. Uh, Philippians 1 verse 6, he who began a good work in you is going to continue it to the day it is completed. God has not finished with me yet. I'm not perfect yet. We're making progress, I hope. It should be showing with the Holy Spirit working in us. But not quite there. We can get closer and closer as we live and as we age if we're, if we're true to the scriptures and live the kind of life God wants us to live. But we're not yet made perfect. Still under construction. Paul picks up the same theme in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, when he says, listen, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God's people and also members of his household. And then listen, built, here's the word, same word, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. You see, we're not only rooted in Christ, deeply rooted in Christ, we're also being built on the foundation, which is the cornerstone. And you know what? That kind of cornerstone cannot be broken. I've been on plenty of construction sites in my years when I worked in construction during the summers when I went to school, where the foundation just got bad. And if you have a bad foundation, you all know this, and it may have happened to your home. I hope not, but it may have. If the, if the, if the foundation goes, so does the house that was being built on it. The foundation is so very important when you build. The good news is Jesus Christ is our foundation. He's the cornerstone. So anything built deeply rooted in him is going to go and it's going to happen. That doesn't mean you're never going to have setbacks, as there often are in construction projects. But you continue to grow in him because you're rooted in him and you are being built up in him. Being deeply rooted in Christ, being built up in him, a third visible sign that Paul mentions for those who seek to live a life in Christ is that you're being strengthened in the faith. Strengthened in the faith. Uh, we're talking here about strength exercise, exercising strength. Boys and girls, I'm going to show you a picture of something. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to see if you know who this person is. Are you ready? Who do you think this is? 
Your brother? Your uncle? Could that be Pastor Jim? 45 years ago. 45 years ago. Now, I was a pole vaulter. Um, let me tell you something about pole vaulting. It's not something that you decide that, okay, I'm going to go do this thing. It looks kind of fun. And I'm going to get up in the morning, and when the track meet comes, just give me something to use and give me a pole, and I'm going to go do this thing and, 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 and jump these heights. Although, sorry, I've met some people who, who are kind of like that, and I don't like them, because they you know, they're like students in school who do really well and they don't have to study. But most of us have to go through strength exercises. So when I was doing this, I had to go to the weight room. I wasn't a big fan of weight training, but I had to go to the weight room. And I had to do, get on all this gymnastic equipment, you know, the parallel bars, the high bar, the rings. I remember with, with my other vaulters uh, getting up on our hands and walking across the basketball court from one end to the other. And by the time we get back down, you know, our faces all red and puffy because of that. I remember in the college dorm going up and down the steps in the hallways. And there was a day that I could used to be able to walk up these steps on my hands, walk over here, walk up. Shall I show you? No, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Years ago. But there were strength exercises that I had to do. Now, because I did those strength exercises, I did very well. I broke records in this high school and the college. Not anymore, because now they're jumping two or three feet higher than what I did. That's just the way it is. But if you want to accomplish something, you must put in the exercises, and you have the strength to do it. Paul simply says, listen, it's the same way in the Christian life. We are called to strengthen our faith muscles. God may give us these deep roots in Christ, but if you want to grow in your faith, these are gifts that he gives us by grace, but it takes work on our part to help make that strengthening of our faith happen. In fact, we talk, in fact, I had a series not too long ago on spiritual disciplines, right? If you want, to, if you want your faith strengthened, you need, to, you need to get yourself involved in spiritual disciplines. Can, can we just name two or three minutes to know what we're talking about? Just shut them out. Spiritual disciplines that we do to grow our faith. Bible. Prayer. Fellowship. Meditation. Right, we had, I think I went through six or seven, uh, journaling, silence. Uh, things that we do, we have to put ourselves in the places so that God can help strengthen our faith. And if we put ourselves in those places and practice the spiritual disciplines, our faith can become stronger. Paul says, listen, this is important because you're going to face trials. At this particular time in Colossae, it was all about the false teachers and false teachings. And they were being tried, their faith was being tried. And Paul's word has been throughout. Listen, you've got to stay in the word and you've got to stay in prayer. Because you have to be given the strength to endure and get through this. Don't believe what they are saying or follow what they are saying. Part of the Christian life, living a life in Christ, is it's putting yourself in places where God can help you strengthen your faith. Because our faith needs to be strengthened. I think it's the catechism uh, question and answer 127 that says something like, we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. Aren't we? We are. But you put yourself in places so you can grow your strength. Because you say, you're going to have times in your life, and most of us have been there, those of us younger have not. You're going to have times in your life when your faith is tested, and you're going to feel weak, and you're not going to make it on your own. And the more you can get into the word and into the prayer and practice the spiritual disciplines, the more you're going to be prepared to face those times when you need a strong faith. 
That's why you practice spiritual disciplines and you shape your spiritual muscles in this way. Your faith needs to be strengthened. And then finally, Paul says this this fourth visible sign that you're living a life in Christ has to do with overflowing with thankfulness. Just Boys and girls, you ever hold like a glass of water underneath the kitchen faucet and you turn it on as high as you can? And usually when it almost gets full, you kind of turn it off and walk away, but you keep it running, what happens? It kind of looks just like this, doesn't it, in a glass? It's just bubbling over and bubbling over and overflowing. That, that's, that's, that's kind of what Paul is talking about here when he mentions the word overflowing. I thought about that with, what was it, two weeks ago when we were having these rains in Yosemite, right? And I remember seeing, I think, a picture like this on television where, where the river, the Yosemite River, was overflowing at its banks, Right there. So usually it's just a, a steady stream and, and you could go alongside and do this or that and it's not going to bother you. But because of all the rain we had and what was happening, the, this, this river just began overflowing. Look what it's doing to the road and the like. Another picture showed, right? I think if some of you saw that on the news. Houses that were coming off of the side of the house going into the river as well. This is what it means when he says something that is overflowing. Paul says that's the kind... Of, of life I needed seen you to live when it comes to thankfulness in your life. Well, we're chronic complainers, aren't we? And it's so much easier to complain and to grumble in what's happening in our life. Uh, if you get around a chronic complainer every day, you got to get away from that person. I used to work with someone who just every day was complaining about something. Or finally I had to say, you know what? It's no fun working with you. I said this in a nice, gracious, godly way. But it's no fun working with you. I go home so discouraged every day. Can you find some things to be thankful about in your life? Because he was complaining about his marriage and his job. Probably the guy that he worked with. But other, other things. Just always moaning and groaning. Paul says, listen, a person who, who's, who is in Christ, living your life in Christ, should be overflowing with thankfulness. A life of gratitude. Why? Because you're being built up in Christ. Because you're rooted in Christ. Because you're being strengthened in the faith. He says, let me just give you three things, which he just wrote about this in the verses prior, that you should be thankful for. When's the last time you thanked God? You're saying, God, I thank you and I praise you. And it's bubbling out of me that I'm deeply rooted in you because you've saved me from so much more harm that I could get myself messed up with because of the deep roots that you've given me. Thank you, God, for those deep roots. Thank you, God, that you're building me up in Jesus Christ. Don't be built up around the wrong thing. It's going to mess up your life. Thank you that you're building me up in Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful as well that my faith is being strengthened because I have made a decision to put myself in places where my faith can grow, fellowship, Bible study, prayer, meditation, whatever spiritual discipline above that you follow. I put myself in places where I can grow. God, thank you. Overflow with thankfulness that he's given us these things so that we can live a life in Christ. Two challenges this morning. First of all, to those of us who've already received Jesus Christ as Lord, are you living a life in him? More than just stating it. Are you living a life in Jesus Christ? Are these four signs visible in your life? Have you experienced the deep roots that Christ has given you? Are, are you being built up in him? Are you being strengthened in the faith? And are you overflowing with thanksgiving? And maybe, first of all, for those of us who've received Jesus as Lord, maybe you've got to do a personal check this morning. 
when you spend some time in prayer today, God, if, I, if I'm blind to, to some of this, tell me what I've been missing on a little bit here. All the pistons aren't quite working together. Identify which one that needs work in your life more. And first of all, you repent of that. Saying, Lord, I want to live a life in Christ. I want to continue to live in you. I received you as my Lord. Help me to continue to live in you. I've been a little bit off track. And I know it. And you've been already making that known to me. And now you're hearing it again. Take the steps necessary to get back and right with God. And recommit yourself. This is what it comes to if you want it simply. You recommit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. He's my Savior. I'm going to say that's the easy part. Sorry, but it is. I accept him as my Savior. We, we welcome that. But the Lordship part? Maybe we need to recommit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as we seek to continue to live our lives in him with a goal as what this whole chapter 2 is about, if not all of Colossians, the fullness of Jesus Christ, to becoming full in him. Powerful kind of spiritual kind of statement. All with the goal of being filled with Christ. That's for those who received him as Lord. And for those maybe listening this morning, maybe someone here, maybe someone listening live stream. Uh, well, a couple of things. First, maybe you received Jesus Christ as Savior. Wonderful, big necessary step. But have you received him as Lord? That's equally important. You need more than just a Savior. If we can say that that way, you also need to recognize the same Savior as the Lord of your life. You mean I got to surrender everything that I've kind of been ruling over to him? Oh, my, my life, myself, my singlehood, my, my marriage, my family, my finances. That's the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You hand that all over to him because the life of surrender is a life of surrender to Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning... Or maybe even having made the step of accepting Jesus as your Savior. Take care of that as well in the process here. But also receive him as Lord. God offers himself to you. He always does. This is the grace part of, of what we believe as Christians. God is so gracious. He always comes with this gracious invitation. If you're hearing this message and Jesus isn't your Savior and isn't your Lord and you've been looking for a Savior and the Lord in all the wrong places, come to Christ. And understand the supremacy of Christ because Jesus, you see, is all you need. And you're looking for life in all the wrong places. You come to Christ and you learn about Christ because Jesus is all you need. One author writes, ask God for the grace to live for him. And continue to live in him right now. Surrender it all to him. Now, this isn't something you should be thinking about and I'll do it tomorrow or I'm going to do it the next day, or maybe next week, or maybe next month, or maybe sometimes this year. We don't know what happens to us when we leave this place. If you hear the word of God, and you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you learn about what it means for him to be your Savior and Lord, you go as quickly as you can as God draws you, and you say, Lord, it's my turn to, to receive the grace that you give to me. And I need a Savior, and I want you as Lord of my life. And you know what? Let me say this properly. You don't have to do anything else to be saved. But you do then seek to live a godly life. And you begin to find these four things and others in Scripture that talks about it, of what it means to be a Christian 
in how to live. And you know what the good news is? I've said it before. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God receives you as you are, and he begins to work on you like he's been working on me. And, and all of us here this morning, we are works in progress. And as the days pass and the months pass and the years pass, Lord willing, you will see changes. In fact, you're going to have somebody someday say, what happened to you? What happened to you? And your best testimony is, I received Jesus Christ as Lord, and he changed my life. And this church and all the churches, by God's power and grace, are all about lives being transformed by Christ, one life at a time. And maybe today is the day. It's your turn as well to say, it's my turn to come to Christ. And then you can join us here at Community, and you'll find a lot of broken, hurting people still struggling with their faith. But then you can be in Christ with us, and as we learn to live in him, and to watch how he changes lives day by day. This is all what it means, that Jesus Christ is not only Savior, but also Lord. And you can receive him as Lord this very day. Father, we thank you for your word. For those of us who have received you a long time ago, we know that we have to do check-ins from time to time. Because it's easy for things that we have surrendered to you, it's easy for us to take them back. And they begin, and we want to kind of be Lord over them. We're willing to give you this, that, and some other things, but not everything. For those of us who need to surrender something this morning, may we leave with, with that kind of surrender and desire. Father, Jesus is Lord of all, every, every part of my life, and Jesus is all I need. Forgive me. Forgive me for, for trying to rule over per, certain parts of my life. I surrender all to you. And Father, for those who need to receive Jesus as Savior, for those who need to receive Jesus as Lord, by your grace and for your glory, draw them to yourself. You know who those people are that belong to you. Draw them to yourself. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, shape them, mold them. And may they understand repentance and understand what this new life looks like and understand the supremacy of Jesus Christ in a life and what Jesus can do unlike any other person has done or can do in this world. And that by your grace they can walk with him as well, even with us right here at Community. In Jesus' name we pray, everyone say, amen. amen.